Prepare yourselves for a journey through history. Get equipped for adventure. Grab your power gloves and super scopes, for it's dangerous to go alone. This is the Legend of Retro. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Legend of Retro podcast. My name is Xander and with me... I am the Glitch. And I'm here to ask you a question. Is a man not entitled to the sweat of his brow? Oh, here we go. No, says the man in Washington. It belongs to the poor. No, says the man in the Vatican. It belongs to God. No, says the man in Moscow. It belongs to everyone. I rejected those answers. Instead, I chose something different. I chose the impossible. I chose rapture. Yeah, I should have had you go last because that would have set up the episode. Now we have to take a break and say, hey, who do we have calling in for our first ever Skype call-in guest? Who is it? It's BMC. BMC himself. Thank you so much for calling in. I just got the chills, man. Woo, that intro. <laughs> you got the chills nice. It's a good intro. Thank you for doing that. I didn't even think about that. And that's why we have you here. Well, I wanted to start it off that way, but you just kind of went with, this is Xander. All right. Well, you well, whatever, know. Whatever. Whatever. So how are you doing, BMC? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm just uh, happy that you guys had to have me on for this episode. I mean, this game. Is... I was going to say, Bioshock and BMC go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it honestly, I don't want to jump ahead, but it got me back into gaming. But we'll get to that in a moment. Fair enough. That's kind of like uh, the glitch in Gears. Yeah. Gears got me back into the modern gaming it's the reason i got an xbox 360 so that's cool well, uh that's a good point though because we still need to play gears 5 with you yes. you gotta get you off that minecraft train and minecraft though it's, it's forever it's forever evergreen i know but gears man all those You're a gears guy nah. right. so we're not talking about gears or minecraft so you guys can shut up with that today <laughs> we're talking about bioshock and Bioshock is a first-person shooter with role-playing game customization and stealth elements and is similar to System Shock 2. The player takes a role of Jack as he is guided through Rapture towards various objectives and treachery and horror and all sorts of things uh, come up from that. Uh, this game was released on August 21st of 2008, if I remember correctly. Seven. Seven, sorry. I didn't remember correctly. Um, and uh, I did not play this game right as it came out. Same, yeah. And BMC, I want to say you were the same too, right? Well, see, this is, I don't want to make this a super long story because if you know anything about me, I could talk about Bioshock for hours and hours and hours, but we don't want to be here for hours and hours and hours. But I went to a college that prohibited video games. What? So I was out of video. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, which is actually, if we get into it a little bit, I don't know, but is why I have such an affection for Bioshock and the themes of the, the game. But so from 2002 to 2006, I didn't play games at all. Okay. That's, yeah, it's horrible. So when my wife and I graduated college, I bought an Xbox 360 off of Craigslist and the game came with it. I hadn't, didn't know anything about Bioshock. Like, okay, this looks cool. And that was in, I think, maybe January of 2008. All right. So the game came out like August. So I went in not knowing anything about it, and uh, yeah, it's, it took me, it just blew me away. So I'm actually kind of intrigued. Tell me more about this college that wouldn't let you play video games. 
Well, it was a Christian college, but it wasn't like cool Christians. It was like the super oppressive, oh. don't have any fun type Christians. So we all know maybe a few people like that. But <laughs> so the whole time I was in college, besides maybe sneaking in a game of like uh, StarCraft or something like that on a really underpowered laptop. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I had no consoles. So I was out of the video game, the culture, everything. And I grew up with it, playing video games with my friends. And so after getting out of college and having a little bit more freedom, getting this Xbox 360 with a game I knew nothing about, no hype going in, no knowledge whatsoever, um, and then just my background of college and growing up the way I did, Bioshock really spoke to me about the, you think you have freedom, you think you have choice, but you don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so when did you first play it then, Xander? So I played it... Uh like maybe three weeks after it came out. Um, the the very next week after Bioshock came out, uh, Blue Dragon came out for the Xbox 360, yeah. and I was super excited for that. So when I had the, the spare cash, I was like, well, I could play this game that everybody's talking about, or I could play this game that no one's talking about that I'm really excited about, and that's the route I went. But every all of my friends were, were still playing it. Um, it was I was working at Circuit City at the time, and we had a lot of game thefts going on, so to counteract that, what they started doing was they would um, they would open the games and take the discs and hide them somewhere else and put like empty case, kind of like what GameStop does. But we would put them in lockboxes so that people would think that they were, you know, they oh. wouldn't feel like they were getting ripped off or whatever. And we would get them a new copy of the game until we were down to our last copy, which again is exactly what GameStop does. Um, but because we had all of those games, we uh, what we did is. Um, we would bring our Xboxes to work. So like I was, uh, I've told this story before on the Guitar Hero episodes, but I started bringing my Xbox to work because it was either show up on time or you're fired. And I was like, well, I'm just going to be at home playing Guitar Hero. Can I just bring my Xbox and play here before my shift? Uh-huh. And so it kind of turned into that. And then it turned into like on uh, on lunch breaks, we would have like NHL tournaments and stuff like that. So everybody started playing video games at their lunch break. That's awesome. And one night, uh, one of my other buddies said... Uh, Hey, can we just um, oh play some of these games? And they're like, Yeah, I guess. Like, no one's gonna just make sure you don't scratch the discs or anything. Um, and so they started playing it. And my buddy Teddy was just like going on. He's like, Oh my god, Bioshock is the coolest thing I've ever played. It's such a creepy atmosphere. Like, you got to try it. So eventually, I I did, and I fell in love with it. Um, just the the whole like underwater horror aesthetic I thought was really cool. The environment was really great. And, uh, yeah, I got hooked from there. How about you? Yeah, for me, it was a, a lot different than you guys because I didn't play this game until I think it was 2012. And I'll get into a little bit later when I talk about the, you know, how it was received as a game. But I saw a list by G4, and they ranked this game really high, so ridiculously high that I thought there's no way this game is that good. So I went out and I played it like that week. And honestly, I can kind of agree with with the ranking they ended up giving the game. But this is one of the very few games I got all all the achievements for uh, for the Xbox 360. So I was pretty happy about that because I, I probably played this like four or five times. Not as much as I'm sure BMC has. Mm-hmm. But uh, it definitely was a game that I, I went through in the entirety, played all the good endings and the bad endings. And we'll talk about that later, too. Um but so you want to talk about the gameplay? Absolutely. BMC, you want to tell us a little bit about the gameplay? Well, a first-person shooter, like you were saying, uh, I did 
so you have so much information on this game. I don't even know where to start because <laughs> I just so, I've watched so many things. I've read the books, right? Uh, the book, um, but just the gameplay really to me, it's it's really important on this game. But it's the story that really got to me. Which I don't know how much you want to get into now. Or are you going to go over that a little bit later? Glitch. Yeah, I mean, Some we'll actually just kind of go story. through the the game and in in the story from start to finish a little bit. Um, so I mean, with the gameplay, you have like a melee or a gun, which is your primary, and then like a secondary, which you'll find out is this thing called plasm. Plasmid. Plasmid, sorry. Um, so, I mean, you'll have, you first you start off with a pipe wrench, and then before that you get a revolver. Then you're getting a machine gun, a shotgun, grenade launcher, crossbow, chemical thrower. Um, and so there's these like little stands around the game called Gatherer's Garden. Mm-hmm. And this is how you get your plasmids. Yep. Um, I. So we'll we'll jump back and kind of explain plasmids for those of you who have never played the game. Um, plasmids are basically powers that you inject into yourself. Um, so you have like sh- the ability to shoot lightning or fire or uh, telekinesis and all, all all sorts of stuff. It's a uh, do you want to, uh, BMC, you might know this better than I do. Do you want to explain Adam and the plasmids and what they mean in the Bioshock games? Well, the uh, the reason it even stuck out even more to me, just again, not to go too much back into my background of how I grew up, but just uh, how much, like, they use religion to interject into the story and into what they even called it, Ab and Eve. Um, and the Adam is the this thing that they found on the bottom of the ocean when they built the Rapture there that would alter the DNA of the subject. Um, and there are actually these little slugs that they would take and they would harvest the atom from it. And the Eve is a, is a, um, it, I actually have a, a prop of the Eve. It's um, like a big needle full of like a blue liquid that would refill. Uh, when you ran out of Eve, you couldn't use the atom anymore. And so like you are saying, you have you know, lightning, you have freeze, you have telekinesis, you have flame. Um, what I really did a lot was I would free, I played the game so many times. I tried to use a different method every time I played it, but the one I constantly went back to was freezing. And then I would use the crossbow fully upgraded. Like, I don't know if you have a, a certain weapon Xander or glitch that you guys use more than others, but it was that crossbow, especially on the hardest difficulty. If you would mm-hmm. freeze the enemies and then shoot them in the head with a crossbow, it was even on the hardest difficulty. It was like a one shot kill. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For me, it was telekinesis. Because it used the least amount of atom, and yes. it just seemed like it was overpowerful. They just pick up any item, throw it at the enemy, and that's it. it seems like almost well, did you, most of the time it was one hit. Did you hit. do that with the um, like propane? Yeah. And you put like uh, put a bunch of um, proximity mines on it. Oh no! Did I you ever do that? Never did that. Oh man! It, if you want to really take out a big daddy real quick, just use telekinesis, especially if you can find some fire and put some proximity mines right on it and throw it at them, it's almost a one-shot kill. Nice. That's what I love, seriously, about the Bioshock series, is there's so many creative things you can do with plasmids. Like, I just recently played through all three of the Bioshock games on the Bioshock collection. Uh, BMC texted me one day. He's like, hey, you don't have the Bioshock collection, right? And I was like, no, I don't have it. I, I sold it a while ago. He's like, well, first off, that was dumb. Second off, here's here's half the price of what it's on sale for do yourself a favor and play these games again. And so I did. And it was the first time that I got to play Bioshock Infinite all the way through. 
and just like looking up all the different ways to combine plasmids in ways that I never would have thought before. Uh, just it's insane. And like the fact that I've played this game as many times as I haven't, I've never thought of doing the proximity mines and telekinesis yeah, thing. Never crossed You've my never mind. done that? It's so oh, cool. No. <laughs> like <laughs> if you gotta replay it now. I do. I mean, you, know the, you know the game so well you could probably get through it not too much. And I we yeah, we played it at the same time. I don't know what got into me to replay the games uh, back I think we played it in April and May. Mm-hmm. Um and oh my just playing those again, it just gave me all the chills and the feels and the emotion of why I love this game, mm-hmm. the whole franchise. Uh, and even after playing the games again, I had to go re-listen to the audio book. Yeah. And, uh, How is that book, by the way? Because with the same time that we were playing through, I, I was like, man, I really want to know more about this world. And I saw that there was a book, but I just didn't know if it was any good or... If yeah, it... the book actually goes into uh, a lot more with Andrew Ryan. You mm-hmm. get to see him before the fall, and you get to see what decays and this utopia that they're trying to create and the idea is appealing even uh you know i mean it would sound like a great idea but we know it's insane there's no such thing as a euphoric uh, society but some of the things that andrew ryan says and believes like okay i can see that but mm-hmm. then you see how he goes about it and he actually turns into what he despises mm-hmm. um, and the story is so good yeah so an interesting thing about andrew ryan is that he's kind of loosely based on rockefeller yeah and walt disney right yeah, a little bit, yeah. Um, do you know more about that, BMC? Maybe you can, because well, I'm assuming there's nothing about this game that you don't actually know. <laughs> See, the problem is that I have so much going through my head that I'm not going to remember. <laughs> All the most entertaining, because it is a podcast, so we don't want to bore people. But uh, when Ken Levine was writing this game, he actually based it off of the writings of Ayn Rand and the Fountainhead book. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't know much about that, that's fine. She was kind of a crazy person. Um, but she had this idea of a, a, a fork utopian society and how things should be run. And uh, he read that book and he took it more of like an art form and then, then people actually trying to live this way. But he uh, based it off of that book. And even uh, Andrew Ryan is an acronym for Ayn Rand, hmm. uh, the author of that book. And Atlas, which we'll get to a little bit later, is actually based off the book Atlas Shrugged, which was the mm-hmm. follow-up. Yeah, I've always wanted to kind of read these books, but then I also don't want to read a thousand-page book right. of a rambling, crazy, insane lady. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm still tempted to do it. I, I just don't think I'll ever do it. Well, you're not the ultimate Bioshock fan until you do both of those. So we're going to need you to step up your game. Yeah, I guess I <laughs> well, it If it's like, audio format, maybe. It sounds right. like BMC really wants to talk about this story. So let's just get into it. Yeah. Uh, the game starts Everything. off I... with this crazy sequence. Mm-hmm. You're in a plane, which, by the way, he's smoking. Yeah. I just want to note how dated this is. This is 1960. Yeah. So there's that. But uh, so the plane crashes and there's a lighthouse and you're swimming through. And it's 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 almost like like you're just playing through a cutscene. You still have control of the character, but it's it's so beautiful and it kind of like pushes you towards this lighthouse and you find the submarine which is oh what is the it called bathysphere? the bathysphere yeah which i think is a great name i don't know why i love that name uh and it just takes you into this underwater world and it opens up with this projector playing this video andrew ryan talking to you and reciting what you recited at the yeah what i started at the, the beginning podcast. of this podcast best, best ever. and uh and then yeah you see this underground world and and then you just get sucked right into it um 
Yeah, so the idea was Andrew Ryan wanted to, he had all these great ideas uh, of how he wanted things to be run, and everybody kept saying, no, that's not right. And he's like, all right, well, I'm going to take myself and a bunch of artists, and we're going to create this world, and we're going to we're gonna build it underwater. Because uh, what does he say? Uh, Rapture, Rapture couldn't be built anywhere else, right? Yep. He, and the interesting about where they built that um, – when Ken Levine was talking about how why they chose underwater world, they were going to do maybe in space, or they're going to do maybe like a secluded uh, campground out in the middle of nowhere. Um, but they needed it to be secluded, and one of the reasons they chose underwater was because they didn't have the money to have vast draw distances. And again, this is 360 era, so they wouldn't have super vast draw distances anyway. But they were very, um, they had a really strict budget on this game, so the more things that they could be creative to save money but still give the player the atmosphere that they want it uh, which is one of the main reasons they chose to do it underwater Mm -hmm. yeah ken levine said in an interview that when they originally came up with the idea of wanting to do a game when he first pitched it it was like an abandoned island that was going to have like a nazi lab so that the whole like underwater world thing didn't even come into idea until they started development for the game yeah he really he was into the idea of having like a drone that was gathering something a protector and people going after that and they didn't really know how that was going to land until they kind of figured out the uh the scenery and eventually it was like well let's have it be these these big daddies and like well what are the drones going to be is it going to be bugs is it going to be like like a kid in a wheelchair or something like that and then they they landed on uh the little sisters and that kind of caused some issues with 2k 2k's like i don't know how we feel about killing little girl children and then you know so the whole, it was, it's interesting to see all the pushback that he got and it's it's kind of a very similar andrew ryan thing where he's like i'm gonna do this like this is what i wanted this is my game i want to do what i want to do with it and uh you know kind of just everybody and there's uh an instance i read of someone who would constantly naysay him that they just eventually left him out of design meetings <laughs> so yeah. that they couldn't have that guy like going against him anymore. And then, so you're being led by this gentleman named Atlas. Yes. Uh, who kind of just helps you go against. So there's these enemies called splicers mm-hmm. and they're basically people who are like fiending for Adam and the powers that they were given. And they're physically deformed too. I, it looks like there's the, the doctor who's working on everyone is, cutting their faces and you know putting yeah, dead so parts and dead skin on everyone that kind of goes along with um you know he brought a bunch of artists down to to build his society and then they were kind of obsessed with looks so then this plastic surgeon kind of started yeah. making whatever he wanted to him and i don't necessarily do the books dive into like how spider splicers became a thing or anything like that no they didn't really get into the differences on each one uh not that i remember but uh it's Funny that Glitch Mitch is the doctor. That's one of my favorite parts in the game. Well, I could say that so many times, but right. it's just this sequence that uh, you go through that, and that that is one of the creepier aspects. You, you're finding all these posters and then these uh, the diaries that the doctors talking about how he could just oh just one more cut, I can get perfection. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh yeah, and then you eventually have to fight that doctor. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. So you, as you're going through, so we should jump back. Atlas is the first person who talks to you, aside from the disembodied voice of Andrew Ryan. And, and tells you that things have gone crazy down here and he needs your help. They're, his family's being held hostage. You're the only person who can help him. So he leads you through um, and kind of talks to you through the radio the entire way. He's like, hey, you're going to run into this kind of stuff. And like, hey, these are big daddies. You should stay away from them. And yeah. he's trying to lead you through to get, get what you what you need. Um, 
I'm sure most people have played the game at this point, but I feel like now is a good time to say, if you haven't played Bioshock, as much as I want you to listen to this episode, don't. Just take our word. I mean, you've, if you've listened to the podcast long enough, you, I hope you you know that we have some pretty decent taste. Experience this game. Yeah, if I could, yeah. if I could list five games that don't be spoiled with because the story is just too good to not play it and experience it for your first time, this is definitely one of them. Yes. Yeah, and if you haven't played it yet, get off this podcast right now because I am going to ruin this game for you. <laughs> yeah. Not only am I going to tell you all the spoilers, I overhype things that I love. Mm-hmm. And so you'll play the game and it'll never live up just because I overhype it yeah. too much, which my friends already know that. So before we get too excited, we'll reiterate this point. If you've not, I'm already excited. If you've not played Bioshock, do yourself and us a favor. It's on sale all the time. You can get it on PlayStation 4. You can get it on Xbox One. You can get it on PC. You can find it cheap on Xbox 360 or PS3 if you want experience this game because the twists that come throughout this are are just so good and if you know that they're coming you're really not going to enjoy the game as much as you could oh yeah that being said 100 <laughs> that being said atlas turns out to be a bad guy <laughs> what didn't yeah. see that coming so he's leading you through uh and we'll kind of jump into this a little bit more but i thought one of the interesting things about um about atlas's character and the way they created him was that uh, so? As he talks to you in the game, he's he's got this Irish accent, and uh, you 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 kind of empathize with him somehow. You just you you just connect with him. You're like, I really want to help this guy out. He's he's being super polite. He's being he's over explaining things. He's being super helpful, um, and just for him to like stab you in the back later on in the game. But what I thought was interesting is the original recording for his voice was uh was not that same accent it was not a it was not a irish accent it was in fact a southern drawl which i think uh, someone described it as uh, a a treacherous colonel sanders oh wow <laughs> so i can only imagine like y'all got to help me find my family you know and so like people who had play tested the game just months before it was released were like i don't trust atlas at all like this and so the twist like it wasn't a big deal because we saw it coming from the beginning and they 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 orchestrated so much about this game to like just surprise you that i'm that's just a cool thing to think like alexander yeah you know why that's even more ironic that he was had that southern draw why is that the second one because remember when you're playing the second one the main guy is talking to you has a southern draw so i thought that was kind of uh Who's, you don't remember the second game? I'm trying to remember. So I, I've, I've kind of dove back into the main Bioshock, and, and 2 is probably the one I know the least about because I was able okay. to, when I played it through, I played Bioshock 2 when it came out. I went to the midnight launch and, and bought it, and I played through it, and I kind of just forgot about it. And then when it came time to play the, the remastered collection, I went through that one probably the fastest. And I feel like that's probably the most forgettable out of the three. And that's not to say it's a bad game, but um, I honestly am I'm not remembering... Oh, now I do. Now I do remember who well, you're talking about. What's his name? I'm I'm actually drawing a blank on a name. I am bad with names, even on things that I love. Yeah, but yeah, but that's yeah, right. He, yeah, um, he was the main person talking to you. I want to say in the same vein as Atlas. Yes, and I don't want to talk. I'm talking about Bioshock. Yeah, too, but we'll it was talk about Bioshock Two next year when it is. Uh... Yes, but <laughs> the funny thing to me was that Ken Levine didn't work on Bioshock Two, mm-hmm. and it was just ironic to me that he hated and the audience hated the Southern Draw. And then he had nothing to do with two, and then they used that same southern draw for the next game. <laughs> so the game continues, and you see his wife and his child inside the submarine. Atlas's wife and child blow up. Yes. 
So at this point, you're kind of like, I really have to help this Atlas guy. Yeah, and you and uh, it's important to say that Andrew Ryan eventually picks up on on who you are and what you're doing in his city, and he's like mad that you're there. Um, and so he's he's like, I know you're working with Atlas yeah, and you're Atlas not CIA. Yeah, he's like, there's there's no reason you're here as coincidence, and like he's he knows something's up the entire time, and so it, it casts a very villainous shadow over him. Uh, to where you think he's the bad guy through the whole thing. And so you see him, like, kill Atlas's family, and you're like, oh, this guy is the worst, and he's going to mm-hmm. keep doing things to stop you on your quest the entire way. And you're like, man, this Andrew Ryan guy, he's just the worst. And uh, but, but then as you're approaching Andrew Ryan to defeat him and kill him, mm-hmm. you get into this room where you discover that you've actually been being taken control pretty much your entire life. Yeah. And trained to obey this command of would you kindly yes which you and as soon as they bring that up you you immediately in your head are thinking oh my god atlas the entire time has been saying like would you kindly go and, and do this would you kindly help my family and it seems so innocent and endearing at first and that's part of the thing that make, makes you want to trust him so it's really interesting that that was able they were able to uh turn that into a thing that was just like yeah you thought you had all this freedom and you really you didn't i may have dropped my controller when that part came up yeah i was so shocked oh no i definitely did tony i definitely did this is this is the moment that i fell in love with this game and i knew that not to just sound biased because it is my favorite game ever i don't think anything can ever come close to that like um even just the last of us stuff that we've been talking about and some of the moments in that game don't say anything i still haven't played it no 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 no. i can say nothing (laughs) i'm just saying that even moments that other people say oh this is the top 10 thing in gaming nothing's gonna come back and be more impactful to me than that moment. Because all this while that Atlas is talking to you, and again, he's got that really friendly voice, the Irish voice, and he keeps saying, would you kindly? I didn't pick up on it at all. Mm-hmm. Like, not even a little bit. Um, and then when they go in that room and it's just plastered in blood, would you kindly? And you see all these pictures. Um, and you see a picture of your own character, because you don't see yourself in the game. Right. And uh, with that iconic sweater... But, uh, yeah, I didn't see that coming whatsoever. Um, and just, yeah, that, I wish I could experience that over again. I wish I could have amnesia just for that yeah, and experience yeah. it again. What's, what's kind of cool is um, with that twist, like, I was so taken aback by that, like, how you've been manipulated your whole life, that I didn't catch until I played the games recently that you were playing as Andrew Ryan's son. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's something that didn't click with me. What? Yeah, you are Andrew Ryan's son. No, I just discovered, holy cow. Yeah, if you go back, you're like, they talk about, and there's a moment where you, like, find your mom's corpse, and, like, she's one of the, uh, like, and it's like Andrew killed her or something. I don't remember what exactly it was, but. It was um, one of the dancers. Yeah, 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 that's right. uh, Jasmine Jolene, Mm -hmm. and she was one of his mistresses, Um, and she told Andrew Ryan that she was pregnant. Um. Hold on, I'm sorry, I'm getting a little technical difficulties here. No, it's all right. Okay. Um, yeah, she told Andrew Ryan that she was pregnant, and um, uh, but then she decided to actually sell Jack before he was born, which is you. And then, again, I don't know how much you want to get into this, but a long process, you're manipulated by Dr. Su Chong and Bridget Tannenbaum, two other main characters in the game, and they manipulate you to be able to do whatever they say with would you kindly mm-hmm. you have to do it like there's one diary that you listen to can you guys still hear me yeah it's yeah. a there's a diary when it's like hey pet this puppy would you kindly 
kill the dog yes. would you kindly and you're just like that's I don't, the one i, was I don't want talk to about. yes <laughs> yeah they play that right as you see the would you kindly on the board uh and it's kind of like a Pe- pavlov's dog kind of situation mm-hmm. where you know he ring the bell and the dog would drool because he would ring the bell and feed the dog and it's just kind of the same thing it's you're trained as soon as you hear this this set of words you're just you're like locked in and you have to do that command yeah and so shortly after yes. that, you find out that Atlas, like we said, who has been talking to you the, the entire time, is no, none other than Frank Fontaine. Who's been dead for months. Who's been dead for, for months or years, really. Like, uh, he's, he's thought he was someone, he was a rival of Andrew Ryan. He, if you see, like, Ryan Industries, there was also Fonta, uh, Fontaine Futuristics. And so it, there was a lot of, like, shady dealings going on there. And, you know, they, they thought they were at each other's throat the whole time. And then all of a sudden, Fontaine disappears and Atlas shows up, and nobody makes that connection. Um, and then he, he loses his Irish accent for this almost cheesy, like I kind of hate Fontaine's voice, and I think it's yeah. pro- probably by design. Yeah. But it's just like how you go from, like, you got to save me family to, oh, kid, you did real good. Like it's, just, it's, like, it's almost <laughs> yeah. too cartoony and on the nose for a villain, but it's also, it just it plays, the, it plays the part perfectly. Yeah, it sure does. And oh, not, man, you got a good voice there. That was that sounded really good. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I love Xander's impressions. I'll do the rest of the show as Frank Fontaine, kid. <laughs> and you'll find out in our retro relapse as Xander does. It's been me the whole time. <laughs> oh, no. uh, so now, now the mission is to kill Fontaine. Yes, and, because uh, Andrew Ryan, and this is another one of my favorite parts, and it's it comes at the heels of you finding out that you're being controlled. Um, Andrew Ryan knows who you are. He knows you're his son. He knows that you've, you've been controlled by uh, Fontaine the entire time. And he just keeps putting it in your face like a man chooses a slave obeys. And he's like, would you like, would you kindly, is it, is it Ryan or is it Fontaine who says, would you kindly bash his head in with a golf club? Well, it's Atlas says uh, right before he changes, before you find this all out, he says, would you kindly go kill that? Right. And then he some language. But uh, then Ryan, though, he because as much as Ryan is a crazy man in this, and uh, there are some things that are admirable about him, mm-hmm. like he's such a man of principle, and he's such a man of you you choose your own fate. Mm-hmm. No one can tell you what to do. That even in this moment, when you walk into his office after Atlas commands you to kill, which you don't at this point, you didn't know that until then. Mm-hmm. He even tells you, he's like, he goes through this speech about how a man chooses and a slave obeys. Mm-hmm. Another iconic uh, moment in video games. And he is, he's golfing, like, in his office. Like, just, do, you know, yeah, just putting. doing putting. Oh, yeah. And then he tells you a man chooses a slave obeys, and there's a little dialogue. And then he says, walk. Would, would you, you kindly? kindly? Yes. Neil, would, would you, you kindly? Kind? Yes. Oh. Uh, and Bibbs yeah. and I just, so like, are, echoing each other right now. <laughs> like, Are we going to replay these again, Xander, like, I, tomorrow? Because I would. Even <laughs> just listening to, like, the, the soundtrack, just doing the research and stuff for this, like, I found the, they made a, a vinyl record that was a part of the collector's edition for two, and I'm like, man, I got to go out and buy that now. And I'm like, I should just play through this. It's so good. And Very I love, good. like, it, you just I, you have to take a break every once in a while so that some stuff kind of disappears from your mind. So I might have to wait a little bit longer so that I still have a little bit of that, like, explorative kind of uh, feel to it. And I might play through on an easier difficulty because every time I play, I'm on the hardest difficulty I can to get all the achievements. And now that I don't have to do yeah. that anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, it's so good. So, I mean, so he has you murder him. Yes. And it's, it's for me, it was kind of like, uh, I need you to realize that you're being you're so under his control 
that you still can't stop yourself from killing me. Mm-hmm. Yes. And exactly. uh, he just says, kill me. And then you kill him and you grab the key. And then that's when you find out that Fontaine. Or yeah. He, that, that he's like, you got to go and you got you to gotta blow this place up, kid. And then as soon as you turn the key, that's when the, the facade drops and you hear that that voice and atlas's picture changes from this like nice looking dude and a little like a flat cap and to this guy who almost to me and i don't know if you guys ever like put this i always thought that fontaine's picture looked like a bald tom hanks oh yeah i could see that now (laughs) i'd have to look at it next time you next time you take a look at it i was like man that kind of looks like like tom hanks a little bit and so i think that's also why the voice doesn't fit because i'm like that's not tom hanks's voice that's not even colin hanks's voice that's his son by the way yeah, it's what, Colin Hanks? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know this is his brother, isn't it? That's Colin his, Hanks? That's Colin Hanks is his son. I don't know. Yeah. His brother does all the all the fill-in voice acting for him. So, like, anytime you're you're playing a... Uh, is his brother also named Colin, then? It's not... Maybe it's not Colin, but it's... it's whatever his brother, it, like, looks very similar to him. Like, actually, if you look at a picture of, of what is... I can't think of his name now. It looks like Fontaine, actually, because he's bald. But anytime, like, you need a, a toy figure to sound like Woody... You don't get Tom Hanks because he's going to charge you too much. But his brother, who sounds an awful lot like him, makes a living off of mimicking his brother. So Bioshock. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. Back to back to Bioshock. You you can look up Tom Hanks and his family and all that. And yeah, he collects typewriters and all these other funny things. Anyway, back to it. Um, so after that, you you get you meet back up with uh, Tenenbaum. Yes. Who you first met. She's kind of talking to you as you the first time you can harvest or yeah. save a little sister. Yeah, and she pretty much gives you the ultimatum: you can harvest or save them. Uh, if you save them, I'll reward you. Is what she keeps saying. Yeah. So Adam, like we mentioned before, is is kind of uh, it's almost like a currency. It's something that helps you get the the plasmids that you need. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you harvest the little sisters, you can get more Adam. Yeah, I think if you if you save them, you get eighty, and if you harvest, it's one sixty. BMC, do you know? That sounds right. I think right. it's 120 or 160, something I think like it's, that. I think it's 120 and 80. 120 and 80, okay. So it's a significant boost. Like, you get more if you kill them, but you are also killing these little girls. Um, yeah. But if you if you choose to save them, you get less at them, and eventually they'll drop off gifts, which kind of almost counterbalances, but I think you still end up getting more if you go a, a killing route the entire time. Um, but in order to harvest them, you have to kill their guardians, the big daddies, Yeah. which originally it was going to be the other way around. You had to, you could find the, the little sisters deal with them. And that would cause the big daddies to come and fight you. 2k pushed back on that. And they're like, Hey, we don't know how we feel about punishing players for doing the right thing. Like, you know, if, if this is going to be a key mechanic of your game, you can't punish people for doing it. Yeah. So then they, they swapped it around. And so now that's why you have to incapacitate the big daddy so that you can, choose to harvest or or kill the little sisters but um tenenbaum is is trying to make up for what she's done in the past by by working with the little sisters rehabilitating them um and in turn trying to help you out as well Mm -hmm. and she yeah she gets rid of your mind control uh so that you can go and defeat fontaine yeah but fontaine's got other (laughs) (laughs) what's what's his other code that uh that gets you after after would you kindly doesn't work out it's a yellow code or something like that Oh yeah, it's like code yellow or code something yellow. like that, which takes like half out. your health out. Yeah, he cuts yeah. you down. Oh, and, oh yeah, yeah, that's what he's. And then your plasmids you start yeah. freaking out. You can't use your your equipped plasmids. It'll just start. You'll just all of a sudden you've got the swarm where you're shooting out killer bees instead of fire whenever you want it. That's an annoying chunk of the game. <laughs> so what you, did you guys? 
sorry, go just go back unless you guys are gonna talk about this later. What did you guys do typically with the little sisters? I always I mean, I I can't be a bad guy in video games, doesn't matter I mean, unless I'm like specifically trying for it. So I, I always save them. What's funny for me is so like situations like uh Mass Effect. The first time I played that I played the good guy. This game, I was bad guy. Really? The whole way through. Yeah. And my first playthrough was bad, which is unusual for me too. Mm-hmm. But I was like, well, let's just see it. I saw that there was multiple achievements. I'm sure I'm going to play it again. Let's just do the bad route and see how it happens. Yeah, I think the thing that reinforced me playing the the har- the saving route versus harvesting is I think there are more achievements for saving than there are harvesting. Like I think it's one for harvesting a little sister and then um, – no, because I think it's even like make your choice, either save or harvest. Yeah, and BMZ will be able to talk to that more than I probably could. Is 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 there something for for killing every single one, or is it you would either? I think kill- it's only for saving every single one. And I did do I saved every single one except for one playthrough because I after I finished the game, I looked up stuff about it and I saw that there was multiple endings. Mm-hmm. So like when I first went through it, I the first little sister I harvested, and then I was like, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. So I restarted mm-hmm. that checkpoint, and uh, just saved every little sister after that. Because I'm the same as you, Xander. I I even go into games like, okay, I can have the freedom to choose. I'm gonna be the exact opposite of me and just mm-hmm. be a dirtbag. So I'm just, yeah, I'm just a nice guy. So right. I just can't do it though. Like yeah. I don't, it, no game ever. It doesn't matter what game I'm playing. It, I'm always oh, you gotta help my kids. Oh, okay, I have kids. I got to do it. Right. <laughs> so, um, so you defeat Fontaine in this big showdown, and you can get the one of three endings, depending on if you harvest or saved. Yeah, if you either sister. harvest or saved or did a mix, <clears throat> I think is what it is. So if yeah. you so you get the good ending, if let's, you let's go the other way. Let's say you get the bad ending if you if you sure. harvest everything. Well, so there's a very bad ending. There's there's essentially just two versions of the bad ending. They're pretty much the same. If you harvest all the little sisters except for – oh, so let me do this. Okay. If you harvest two or more, not all, uh, you take over the city and use its technology to steal nuclear weapons. If you harvest all the little sisters, same scenario except Tenabomb does a voiceover that's really harsh towards you. Yeah, it's like we thought you could have been better or something yeah. like that. Like she's angry. Yeah. Not only did you just harvest a ton of little sisters, you did every single one you possibly could. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then there's the good ending. And that one you can harvest one, but if you harvest the second one, then you would get the bad ending. And the good ending, uh, the sisters are provided with a normal life on the surface, and in the end they become the family you never had. Mm-hmm. So it shows them at your bedside as you're dying. Yeah. And that they get married and they have kids and they live a life. Yeah. And that you gave them that opportunity. Yeah, and that they show a hospital bed at the end and they're all holding a hand and they turn it over and you see the the three link. Is it three or five links? You can look down at your wrist, BMC, and tell us. I do have that tattoo. (laughs) I I have one tattoo and I've thought about it for like years and I finally got it. Yeah, it's three. Okay. (laughs) I'm looking right at it. I couldn't remember if it was like three with like two connecting. So Yes. Yeah, so three with two connecting. That's like such. When I saw that you got that, I was like, "That's like a perfect. That's so good." Because unless you've played Bioshock, you have no idea what. And that's like my favorite kind of thing. Like, yeah. Anytime yeah. it's an obscure reference that people in the know will know, I, I that's that's my jam. If it's like straight up, like I got a shirt, like well, got a shirt for Christmas one year that was just like a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, and it said Star Wars and X wings are flying. I was like, too on the nose, way too yeah, on yeah. the nose. But like, if it's like. 
I, I can't even think like if it was just like a well like I had a decal on my truck I was a big Family Guy fan mm-hmm. back when it first came out and I had a decal that just said smoke and it had the guy right from the smoke, smoke. <laughs> and that was it are you smoking and that yet? was a kind of a deep reference to the show that, so yeah, that kind of yeah those are always the best because it really weeds out the people who are like oh hey I know Bioshock that's a cool tattoo <laughs> as opposed to like yeah. Oh, dude, that's awesome! Like, yeah. <laughs> it's a, just a much. It's a, like an instantly like you have so much more respect for that person. But so, with the exception yeah, anyway. of the "Would you kindly" scene, because I can assume that that's all of our favorite parts of the game. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. What, what's your favorite scene in the game? Like any kind of part, battle, or interaction? Uh, I'm gonna have to take a second to think about it. So. I can go first because I do have mine. Since I asked the question, obviously right. I, I was prepared. Yeah. Um, there's two parts, and it's kind of more like a jump scare situation. Uh, there's one room in the medical center where you go against the wall and smoke fills the room yeah. and then you play a tape. And as you turn around, there's like this doctor splicer who's like right in your face. Mm-hmm. And I jumped when that first happened. Uh, and then there's the flooded room and I can't remember what area of the game it is, but it's where all the mannequins are. I want to say it's when you're fighting. Frolic? Possibly. Uh, you kind of go into this watery area and when you turn around, there's all these mannequins. And you walk a little bit further, turn around, and the mannequins moved. Yeah. And they're moving closer and closer to you. And you realize that they're alive. Yeah. that's I know exactly where you're talking about. Yeah, that's uh, that's not in Fort Frolic. That's um, that's like in the apartments, isn't it? BMC? Yeah, it's right around the, when you're going up to – well, there's a couple different ways you could go about – oh, I just had a total mind blank. Uh, Sasha Cohen – or um, – Xander Cohen. Sander, Sander Cohen. Yeah. Sander Cohen. I was saying your name. Right. Uh, very eccentric part of the game. Uh, really one of the main characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was right around then when you can choose either two ways to deal with him. Um, yeah, that's a, those are some great moments. Oh man, what a, my favorite moments. Well, you got something, Xander? No, I have... I'm still. I'm. There's so much, so much good, and then like Tony took the really good one of the <laughs> the mannequins. <laughs> See, I want to. I don't. I don't want to do a cop out and just say everything, because mm-hmm. I, I do think the first two thirds of the game is the strongest, and the last third of the game is still strong. But it's 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 hard to go one up. You know, would you kindly? Yeah. Moment and the Andrew Ryan moments, because uh, those are definitely the, you know my favorite ones. But mm-hmm. the ones Tony mentioned are great. Just how dealing with Steinman, the whole lead up to that, Doctor Steinman, when he's the one that he's obviously insane telling all these people and he's you can see him operating when you first walk up to his window you're locked out and you can see him just repeatedly stabbing this corpse mm-hmm. like oh just a slice and i can make this one perfect and you uh that one is really iconic to me i, I guess i'll go with that one if i'm not able to go with the other ones tony uh mine is probably all of fort frolic just the whole thing of meeting sander cohen and him just like saying, "Hey, these people piss me off, and I need you to kill them and take pictures of their bodies." <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> it's just like such a messed up thing. And what I, that's what one of the things that I love about Bioshock is just the care, like the environment and the characters are all so rich that, like, they're these they're all these artists who, like, left to their own devices, are probably going to go insane, like Sander Cohen does. Like, and so it's it's cool, to, like, eventually go to his apartment. Like, just any, pretty much anything with Sander Cohen is is pretty great. Oh, yeah. Um. So I got a couple things on the reputation of the game. Yeah, we've gone a very long time. Yeah, like so normally we've this up. <laughs> normally we've already talked about the music, but there's yeah. it's just there's well, so much good to Bioshock. You man. can wrap it up because I had so many more things I wanted to say, but I'll let you. Yeah, we'll let you. you don't want to bore people. We'll give you. A, we'll, we'll, give you a we'll touch on a couple shot. things, yeah. and then we'll give you one last shot to just unload. 
So with the okay, okay. IGN gave this game a nine out of uh, nine point seven out of ten. Game Informer was well. a straight well. ten out of ten. <laughs> and in two thousand twelve, G four released the one hundred greatest video games of all time. This is the list that I was talking about. So in two thousand twelve, they came up with just the one hundred greatest games. Mm-hmm. And I watched this thing from start to finish. It was like a four day, like a they broke it up into four days, an hour. Mm-hmm. per quarter kind of like how we did for the 100 greatest rpgs we'll have to find this and do another episode like that uh <laughs> no because this, this the list is okay it's well, not those bad. Lists, that list is almost 10 years old so we can do it the top five games <laughs> of this list number five was tetris four asteroids three bioshock two link to the past one super mario bros that's a um, the top three i definitely could see like I, I i don't disagree with those so me watching this list i was like bioshock third greatest game of all time i gotta play this game mm-hmm. so that's what what pulled me into the to the to play this and i don't regret it at all it's an amazing game so um, an- another interesting number three for bioshock is that in the year it was released in 2008 um it was the third best-selling video game you guys want to take a stab at what the uh, the top two? Let's were? see here. So 2007. I will also give you the hint that um, it's uh, is they, charted one of them. It's not. So let me. I'll tell you the the hint is it's it's not. It's the best selling game. So they they also count it by individual platform. Gotcha. Is it going to be a Call of Duty game even back then? It wasn't Call of Duty. Did <laughs> did Orange Box come out that year? I think Orange Box came out that year, but I th- but that was not on the okay. Two thousand seven. Actually, Orange Box may have come out a year or two before. Now that I'm okay. thinking about it. Yeah, I probably don't have the best answer just because I said I had just got back into gaming from the years of oppression before that. You got <laughs> so. it's gonna it's a really disappointing answer. All right, so what is it? So the number one selling game of two thousand eight was Madden NFL 2008 for the Xbox 360. The so number, casual. The number two best-selling game for August of 2007 was Madden NFL 08 for PlayStation 2. Oh, yeah. And then Bioshock, <laughs> and then Madden NFL 08 for PS3. <laughs> <laughs> and then we play with the remote. You know what? That's impressive, though, because, uh, again, Bioshock is more, even now I think it's more of like a, a, a niche thing. Like it gets all the accolades, which I 100% agree that it deserves but even like you were mentioning my tattoo i've had maybe five people know what it is mm-hmm. uh which is you know it's cool but at the same time i want everybody to play this and the, every one of my friends that i think i've already probably ruined it for all my friends that are close to me not like spoilers wise but mm-hmm. just talking it up to the point where yeah they're just <laughs> it won't be able to live up to all of my hype well the, the kind of cool thing about the game is like even if you know the twist like yeah you're gonna your your enjoyment level is gonna go down significantly but it's still you're still gonna be like man that was a crazy ride yeah like just for the like i said just the just the environment alone and yeah i just i can't i can't recommend it enough yeah you can't <laughs> um, here we go I, that's phrase we have to say right i do have an easter egg that's in the game uh in the farmer's market there's a wheel of cheese and some bullet holes in the floor that are laid out to look like Pac-Man. Oh. Yes. Yep. yep. Well, that's cool. Um, and for speed running, there's an any percent category. Uh, do you guys want to give a guess? I can't because I looked it up before so, this. So Xander looked it up. BMC, do you want to guess? 
Okay, speed run, if you know where everything's at, you're just going straight start to finish. I'm going to say two and a half hours. All right. So it's 39 minutes and 19 seconds. Oh, my gosh. Is it 39? (laughs) Yep. Oh, I guess I I think what I looked up was like no major skips or something like that. I could be wrong. So this one was it uses a lot of out of bounds. um, Okay, okay. And uh, that's held by Glermo. Um, He uses something called the floating item glitch. And what that does is help him get past barriers and walls. So like areas where it's intended to block you off from advancing, he's able to use the telekinesis and lift himself off the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, he does this basically to skip the entire interaction with Sander Cohen. Oh, so that's that the best whole part. part <laughs> like, yeah, if you're playing the story. And actually, what's funny about his run is that you, the only fight is Atlas, pretty much. Yeah. Hmm. Because with... Uh, with how he skips and runs past everything, he doesn't really have any big boss battles. Right. Um, there's... How do you fight Atlas? Does he still pick up the the plasmids and stuff? Yeah, no, you still fight Atlas. Well, yeah, or, I, I mean just... not Atlas, uh, Fontaine. Right. But yeah, no, it's it's a regular bo- fight that he does with them. He uses telekinesis, knocks them out, and stabs them. Gotcha. Um, there's some glitches I want to talk about in the beginning when you first uh, encounter the bathysphere. Uh, and you go into the underwater world and everything, mm-hmm. you can pull the lever and jump out real quick, and you can ride on top of it and see the entire world, the undersea, hmm. uh, tra- like the whole experience outside of the bathysphere. That's cool. I didn't know that. Um, there's some out-of-bounds stuff that he uses in the run. Um, if you die in a certain corners of stages, it'll teleport you to different uh, Vita chambers. Yeah, that's I saw when the run that I saw it was like a 50 minute run, and they were doing that a lot. It was like, and they were playing on easy, so like, how are they not getting killed by all this stuff? And I was like, oh yeah, because I never play on anything less than yeah. than hard. Then I'm not used to seeing yeah. how much damage you can take. But you'd, you'd see him like lighting the path on fire and running through it, so that he could hit a certain point, and as the body flops over, it goes out of bounds, and so it, it then goes to the next closest Vita chamber. And that's not something we didn't talk about, was Vita chambers are like your loads section. Yeah. So throughout the entire world, there's these Vita chambers, and it's kind of like your checkpoint. So if you die, you get loaded into this Vita chamber, and you come back out. Mm-hmm. And, that's- and I also saw um, for things like, the guy that you talked to in Fisherman's Wharf uh, who, like, just goes on and is like, you got to go find the camera. Let me talk to you for five minutes about the camera. You can jump into your um, your audio logs that you found and play something, and it'll skip that dialogue completely. Yep. So that was I was like, how are they going to get through this in 50 minutes? And apparently they got through it in even less. And the last thing I got is uh, for quick reloads on single-shot weapons, so, like, your... Uh, crossbow and your grenade launcher. Mm-hmm. Um, if you switch to your plasmid and then switch right back, it reloads faster. Hmm. Fair enough. So that's all I got. Yeah, I used, I relied on the, the crossbow a lot just because you could go pick up the ammo afterwards. Yeah, that was the best thing about that weapon. Yeah. So uh, hey, what did you guys think about the battle with Fontaine, the boss fight? Uh, compared to everything else, it was a little underwhelming. Yeah. Yep. But I loved how at the end all the little sisters come out and stab him to death. I think that's yeah. that's, that's great. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. That was cool. I just I felt it didn't even really fit with it. Like just it this really weird looking like a statue steel looking guy. Yeah, everything kind of goes from like this. Yeah, it's it, it's a very weird aesthetic, well, and I think that kind of strengthens your point of like how the first two thirds are so good, and at the end it's like, holy crap, we got it, we got to finish this, and like. Everything kind of looks semi-realistic, and then you just have this giant. It's, you're basically fighting Doctor Manhattan from uh, yeah. Watchmen. Exactly. 
And so it's really well, weird. And like his facial features are weird and like it's just strange. His voice changes. Well, like Ken Levine actually said that he hated that boss fight. And he said that the endings, because he only wanted to have one ending. Right. Do you know which ending he wanted? He wanted the good ending. Okay. I, I, I couldn't find, I saw that he only wanted one and was, and was pressured to make more. I didn't, I never saw well, what the one he wanted yeah. was. 2K made them, he said that he had given them the game without a boss fight. Like, cause I mean, the big daddies are really boss fights throughout the game. And there's right. 21 of them, I believe. And uh, so he said he really didn't like the Fontaine battle, but 2K really wanted that, and they wanted the multiple endings. But his argument was, why have multiple endings in a game that you really don't have a choice? Yeah. Like, this is my narrative vision. But he's like, the money always wins. Right. So he had to do what they wanted him at the end of the game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of fascinating stuff about how this game was put together that obviously, I mean, we've already talked for almost an hour about just the game. Um if you get the Bioshock Remastered Collection, you can find uh, video logs. You can learn more about it. And if you if you play the game and you enjoy it, it's it's definitely something I would recommend. They're very fascinating, like short little things you learn about and how they made the game and yeah. other stuff you might not have known, like the the fun glitch of uh, they in the remastered version specifically. There are some things that are that have a description of I can't remember what the guy's name was. Like Paul didn't do his job. Like so, it was his job to go through and like write descriptions for items. And the the filler text to inspire him to get get through it because he was taking his time with it was, Paul, if you're seeing this, Paul didn't do his job. Yeah. <laughs> and so they fixed it in the in the in the 360 and PS3 version, but for some reason in the remastered, there are still some things that will pop up saying Paul so and so <laughs> didn't do his job. Um, and then probably my favorite glitch I'm surprised you didn't mention um, is is me. Well, yes. Aside from my favorite yes. glitch in Bioshock uh, is when you're when you're going for the achievements for the for the harder difficulties you can finish the game on easy and then right before the credits roll you can skip to the hardest difficulty and it'll unlock everything for you i did that yep i did that i was like yeah, i've already you told me that and i didn't know and i just beat it on hard because i'm a boss so yeah i did i did i ended up doing it as well but there was, was always a thing like i don't want to play this again like i mean yeah. i did but i was like i don't want to have to go through it even harder right away let me just get the achievement and call it a night you want to enjoy it yeah you don't yeah. want to have the, the pressure of the you know the harder fights and everything yeah but again like going back through it just again back in may i mean i pretty much breezed through all three games but i played them so many times it's almost unfair yeah. <laughs> it's like i just i know where things are and where to hit them and all those little minutia things yeah all right, so we are officially almost at an hour here, so we're going to take a quick break, check in with one of our sponsors, and we're going to dive in, no pun intended, we're going to dive into the music. Hey, it's me, everybody, Tim Kittrow. I'm here to talk to you about Old School Gamer. Old School Gamer is the magazine for gamers. It covers arcade and retro gaming, gives you gaming history and in-depth interviews with people like me who are there, and it lets you know what conventions are happening and when. Issues come out once every other month. Plus, a website full of even more razzle-dazzle, and it's all for just 30 bucks a year. So visit OldSchoolGamer.com and subscribe now. Boom-shakalaka! So as the, gl the glitch mentioned, uh, this game does take place in the 1960s uh, after Rapture has fallen from grace and been kind of abandoned for, for some time. Uh, but Rapture really hit its its stride in like the 40s. Is that right? Yeah, the 40s. Um, and then when you first drop in and you see all these wreckage and it says, uh, you know, welcome to 1959, like they had just had the new year. Mm -hmm. And then when, when the uh, Civil War hit the, the – where everything just – kind of went to crap yeah 
Um, and because they were, you know, sequestered from from the surface world, they they their music and everything was kind of a little bit farther back. So a lot of the soundtrack for this game is a lot of like 1930s, 40s, and so on music. Um, so a lot of the songs are are licensed song or probably not. They're probably all public domain at this point. Uh, but popular songs like you've got songs by Bing Crosby and a couple others. But the the score for the sound or for the game was uh, by Gary Scheiman, who did an incredible job of blending like a atmospheric horror kind of sound with the classic you know 1930s and 40s kind of vibe to it um so we have a couple songs here bmc did you have was there a song that you uh that stuck out to you or are you just good to roll with the the three that we have ready here well i mean i like them all but uh somewhere under the sea that's yeah. um okay yeah good. that's I just uh to make sure yeah, that that's was, actually my ringtone still that was one yeah. of my like picks. the last however how many years yeah so uh here's uh there's Somewhere Under the Sea or Going Up, Going Down is another title that I found for it. So here it is. Somewhere beyond the sea, somewhere waiting for me. My lover stands on golden sand and watches the ships. That go sailing somewhere beyond the sea. She's there watching for me. If I could fly like birds on high, then straight to her arms I'd go sailing. It's far beyond the stars. You can really kind of hear the the sound that they were going for and how it kind of blends perfectly in and this fits the theme of bioshock pretty perfectly and i almost i want to say this was used in commercials but i could be wrong or maybe i'm just thinking of trailers that i've seen for it since then oh it's been used in commercials I've not- i notice it every time i hear it <laughs> nice uh but yeah it's a it's a it's a great intro to it because everything else kind of sounds sounds just like that in the game and so i actually picked another one of my favorite uh this is the andrews sisters um, but this is the song that kind of sticks out to me. A lot of these songs will play on the loading screen. So if you die or if you're reloading your game at a certain point, they'll play these. And this one always stuck out to me. This is called Belmir Bis Duchon uh, by the Andrews Sisters. <laughs> I 
love this song. It's just so catchy. I'm like bouncing around as we're listening to it right now. Yeah, you can't see it, but uh, Xander stood up and did the, did the Charleston. Yep, all while lip syncing the words. It was wonderful. Do you remember that one, BMC, or is it just oh, me? Oh, definitely do. I'm, I'm head-bopping to some of these, even though they're not <laughs> head-bopping music. Yeah, I love just the sound even. like it, You can hear that it's like playing on an old uh, turntable, and it just, it just adds to the aesthetic that much more. Uh, the, the last song that I chose, um, if, because I, I love Sander Cohen, is uh, the prelude to his masterpiece. Again, this is composed by Gary Scheiman. sound real artsy fartsy here but what i i really like about this song is how you can kind of imagine what sander cohen was thinking as he was writing it like it have you have like this look at how like masterful i'm i'm composing this like you can see a lot of the flair but then you can also sense a lot of the anger and like just the the cool balance between the two as sander cohen you realize is someone you don't really want to cross because he's gonna mess you up he's gonna send somebody after you he's gonna make you part of his ultimate master art piece yeah so i i think there's even is there an achievement if you don't touch him there's an achievement for for if you just kind of be passive with sander cohen um there is one for killing him eventually okay and there's but you have to yeah so there's uh but it's, it's of, called it's called irony or something like that where you take a picture of his dead body okay um but and you have to leave him alive because you also like you also can't get another one of the achievements unless you leave him alive so you wait for that achievement to pop and then you go back you kill him you take a picture okay because i want to say the first time i played it i accidentally hit him and then he didn't show up later for yeah. me to kill him yeah if you if you try to touch him at all he will he won't yeah. show up later on in the game where you find him in his apartment and then you can't gain access to one of the uh, power to the people machines which allows you to upgrade your weapons yep um uh, and we really could let it go on and on about the music like i said i just recently found that the uh i there was a vinyl soundtrack for it which i'm real close to pulling the trigger on i just want to actually listen to all the tracks and make sure it's something like i feel like this would even just be cool at halloween to be playing because it's like got a really creepy vibe while also being just like classical kind of tunes so i'm pretty sure one of our friends has that if you want to ask him and i think you probably know who i'm talking about yeah grim's got it i'm pretty sure he does man because he showed it to me he didn't offer it to me though so i'm a little hurt by that (laughs) oh man i would i would feel bad now no because i know you guys go way back like saying hey can I have that vinyl record? <laughs> oh, I didn't ask for it either because uh, it's a nice piece for him to have in his collection. Yeah. I, I know he hasn't played it, but he still it's a nice piece to have in the collection. Yeah. And I don't even have a way to play it. Yeah, I definitely do. But it's like it's like 40 bucks to buy it. So I'm like, ah, I kind of want to get it. But we'll yeah. see. Maybe he'll let me borrow his. I'll listen to it and be like, do I really want to toss the change yeah. at it? 
and we'll go from there. All right, but to, to kind of wrap this up, so, like, obviously I love this game. I do as uh, well. Xander and I does. think BMC is okay with BMC it. thinks it's all right. But it's pretty good. I mean, good. we'll let you say what you want about this game here in the last final seconds. What do you want to say about the impact that Bio, uh, Bioshock had on you? Well, it honestly feels like this game was specifically made for me. Like, that's how much that really touched me, like, emotionally. And I do like story-driven games. That's my favorite type of game, these that tell you a linear story. And uh, the way that Ken Levine interwined the story with the atmosphere, the Art Deco style, even the way that they had the diaries that you would pick up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you could pick them up, listen to them while you're still exploring, you're still going through the game. Um, and just like, even the way that they would advertise these plasmids and the different things you could buy throughout the game, just this 1940s, 50s style. Um, I love that time period of history. So everything in there just was perfectly molded. And I think it for me, it, it came at the perfect time in my life because I was going through some different things and kind of feeling like I was trapped with some of them I upbringing. And I played this game that was like, oh, hey, you really didn't have much of a choice after all, it was everyone telling you what to do and you just saying yes without even knowing you're saying yes. Mm-hmm. And then playing this game, and again, knowing, I think what really helped too was knowing nothing about it. Yeah, that, I, yeah. I mean, I was already going in pretty blind other than my friends saying, hey, this is really cool. I can't imagine just like buying a 360, it came with it, and you're like, yeah, I guess I'll play it. And then it turning <laughs> out to be a thing that you get tattooed to your body. Like, oh yeah, we you know. Seriously, so four years of not playing any type of game besides skin StarCraft, or like Solitaire, mm-hmm. and then not knowing what's going on, I just put this game in the system and I play it, and then I'm just mesmerized. And my entire, like, if you ever come to my house, my garage is my nerd kingdom area. Right. I got all this Bioshock stuff. Yeah, it's I've the seen the pictures, really man. Spent. It's impressive. Oh, well, yeah, you got me the 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 collector's edition for the remaster. Yeah. When you worked at uh, GameStop, mm-hmm. uh, you helped me hook me up with that. But, uh, yeah, the, the game just really means a lot to me. Um, again, so much so that, again, I don't I have one tattoo, and uh, that's the one I got from, from my favorite game ever. Yep, absolutely. All right, so we're going to let BMC go. He's got to get back to his family. Yep. Uh, and and he's, uh, let's be honest, he's going to ignore – they're asleep at this point. He's just going to go play Bioshock for the rest of the night. And so. Dude, I might. <laughs> we, so we have – BMC hasn't been on Legend of Retro since the beginning. Yeah. There was, uh, I think it was the N64 episode back when it was the old show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so we'll definitely have you back probably when we do Solitaire. Next year when we do, yeah, or Solitaire. We'll do Solitaire. We'll have Starcraft. <laughs> Starcraft. Starcraft. We'll have you jump in for Starcraft. Um, but definitely when, when Bioshock 2 hits its uh, its 10-year mark, which is coming up in February, I believe. Um, oh, man. Let's let it breathe for a little bit before we do no. it. I need to. Well, no, it'll give me an excuse so to play through it again. Mind. You know what? The sad thing is, is uh, and I know we're we're – cutting this so long but we didn't even touch on the dlc for this game nope so that'll that'll have to be maybe that'll be a patreon special sometime it'll just be me and bmc talking about yeah, i'll the, come back yeah absolutely so uh yeah we've got two more episodes for sure that we're gonna do three more i guess if we're gonna throw solitaire in there <laughs> three more episodes for sure we'll have bmc on uh but i'm sure there's gonna be more thanks dude for calling in um you're our very first skype guest and it was wonderful to have you, and we really could go on for even longer than I think Craig and I could talk about Earthbound with you and I talking about uh, Bioshock. Well, I think I've actually only touched about 5% of what I wanted to, but again, <laughs> there you go. everything I would say would be people that have already played the game and that would really love it. If I just said it right now, it would just sound like a bunch of garble. <laughs> like, like the ramblings <laughs> of a madman. We'd think we had <laughs> yeah, gone into honestly, rapture. Yeah, it would. <laughs> yeah. 
So when I see it, we'll, we'll talk about it then. For sure. And, of course, you can always jump on our Discord if you want to talk to BMC directly and just nerd out about Bioshock. We, we'll make it its own channel or something or just a big group chat. Who knows? But we'll, I'll be we'll there. figure that out. So, again, thanks, BMC, for calling in. Uh, we're going to jump over to our Retro Elite Relapse. Thanks, guys. Yeah. I appreciate it. For sure, man. Thank you so much. Jones in for a classic game. It's time for Retro Relapse on the Legend of Retro Podcast. Retro Relapse. So, Xander. Yes. We busted out the Super Game Boy. Yes, we did. And we played ourselves some Game Boy games. Yes, we did. Uh, with the request of Escape Soul from our Discord, I got my hands on a copy of a game I thought was called bo jackson's hit and run mm -hmm. but it turns out that it's called bo jackson two and one yes it was so uh it uh it's a game that where you play a, a bo jackson two and one game bo jackson for those of you who don't know uh played both football and baseball in the professional leagues so in this game you can either play a baseball game or a football game not both not both as i thought <laughs> which to me it sounds like the most amazing thing i don't know if you, honestly i don't even know how the idea of it would work but originally i thought that uh you could do both of them at the same time um xander's trying to google it and i haven't told him yet but yesterday i tried googling for the game and oh and there's just no nothing. wikipedia page that exists for i just it. wanted to, to find information about when it was released and you know but uh uh, I think on his, if you scroll down a little bit more, uh, under some stuff, it says video games and television. Yeah, uh, yeah but right it doesn't there. say when it was. Bo Jackson Baseball for NES. Uh, Bo Jackson's, uh, I guess it was also called Hit and Run, maybe? Who knows? Either way. It doesn't exist. There was a, uh, I think it was Basketball, where they talked about, uh, like, once uh, teams were going around and trading, they tried to, get the fans back by doing interleague play and then they thought inner sports play and you see a dude at the at the plate in full football you know i want to say armor but that's not the right word football padding about to swing a bat and as soon as he hits it he runs and gets tackled by somebody else or no yeah. somebody's going to die for the catch and just gets tackled and that's probably what you were hoping for that is what i was hoping for but <laughs> what can you say about this game honestly to me watching you guys play it looked like garbage it was pretty awful like, um, even the football part reminded me a lot of 10 yard fight i don't know if you've ever played I, that. see i just i have never been a football fan that like even tech mobile which everybody's like oh it's the best thing ever. i was like i don't care it's football like there's i can't think of many things that i care for less than football so i played the baseball <laughs> yeah so you played the baseball uh chops and craig got to try out of the football but just for me watching it looks terrible. Yeah, it, it was bad. it was not great. We played another baseball game sometime around there that was a lot more like RBI baseball. I was like, this is fun, but Bo's baseball. Yeah. Nah. Nah, nah man. What do you what do you give it on the eight bit scale? <sighs> it's a sports game on the original Game Boy. I'll give it a three for effort, I guess. Like the idea of putting two and just like, you know, just like Bo Jackson, that's that's kinda cool. It was playable if you know how to play sports games, I guess. But it just, uh, I, yeah, I'd say a two or a three. Okay, I think I, I think I'll give it a one and a half. Yeah, and I think I, I, I is get that, is that because of the sting of how disappointed you were that it wasn't both of them at yes. the same time? Yes, that makes sense. That and the fact that I mean, it is a Game Boy game, and we have to kind of remember that as we're playing. But even is that, I don't think 
as a kid I would have ever picked this game back up yeah. as a Game Boy game. So, um, yeah. So yeah, one and a half leaves a little bit to be desired, but uh, there it is. So let's uh let's get into our uh, character theme bracket. We're uh we're in the second round now. We are now in the second round. So we got we got winners uh, going up against each other. Um, we got a first round pick going right here. Uh, one of them is so uh, the first one that we have Zero's theme for Mega Man X three, which is composed by Kanuyo Yamashita. Uh, and this was your pick? no, this was Chop's pick. Are right. we revealing picks now? We, I mean, it was a whole episode. People could listen to it months ago. Yeah, but we got to let those people still be able to listen to the episode. <laughs> it, it's Chops pick versus not Chops pick. Right, yeah. So Is what's going up I today. Think we've already talked about that. Anyway, so uh, here is, here's Zero's theme for Mega Man X3. song always and i know it doesn't actually sound like this song like it's not a a a complete ripoff like neon tigers theme is from this to a guns and roses song but this song always reminds me of the final countdown by europe i can hear that yeah so much so that there was i was at a uh it's like some random like non-denominal nominational church thing where it was like hey this week we're doing all sorts of uh, things where we're having special people come to tell their stories so we can get more people to join the church or whatever. All right. And they had like professional wrestlers come out and someone came out to final countdown. I was like, is this Mega Man X? Like, what is this song? <laughs> and so I just, I still, and for the longest time I was like trying to find like, what song would I think that one? And I realized years later that it was, oh, this is zero for Mega Man X3. But this is a great song. It's it's short and it's it's kind of repetitive, but it's it's got a great sound and it's a, it's a solid theme yeah it's a it, this is a true number one pick for any character theme bracket i think yeah uh this was on my list of of songs yep. to use uh but i i chose proto man over over zero and then chops had the next pick and just took took zero um our other song is uh sephiroth's theme from final fantasy 7 those chosen by the planet not one wing and angel um, and I can't stress that enough. I think a lot of people like, cause it's, it's a good song. I mean, Nobu Ematsu is an incredible composer. So when you hear his stuff, you're like, you know, it's, it's, it's good. But I think so many people say, Oh, Sephiroth's theme, one winged angel. That's going to win this contest. I'm like, no, these are very different songs. So we're going to hope that this, uh, this starts up just right. And, uh, this is Sephiroth's theme. Those chosen by the planet by from final fantasy seven.
is a, a pretty creepy and menacing theme. And I think it, it embodies Sephiroth pretty well. I think the the major overshadowing part is everybody just immediately goes to One Wing and Angel when they think of Sephiroth. So that's the that's the trick. But I do love this song. It's like I said, it's it's very fitting for like anytime you see Sephiroth and the song plays, you're like, oh man, something creepy or real intense is about to happen. And in that sense, it's a great character theme. Yeah, it's 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 got that that feeling of, of uneasiness and. Um, it, it beat Zorn and Thorn in the first round. Which yeah, it did, which I, I really I think... I feel like it falls into that what you were talking about with, oh, Sephiroth's theme. Yeah, because yeah. Zorn and Thorn's theme is just so good. <laughs> what did Zero beat again? Uh, Zero beat Celeste's theme from Final Fantasy VI. Yeah, that was... Which, a... I mean, is as good as that song is, it's just Zero's is that much better. Yeah. It's, it's just... It can't compete. It's okay, and it's a surprise too, because that was a sneaky pick. That was, I that mean, was a sneaky pick. Her, her theme it. is essentially the one of the most, arguably the most memorable part of that game, which is the opera theme. Yeah. So it was, uh, and I think maybe it may have fallen into the same thing where people didn't realize that that was her theme, and they're like, oh, "I don't even remember what Celeste's theme." Because when you said it, I was like, "What is her theme?" And then I heard it, I was like, "Oh, you <laughs> sneaky mom." So yeah, so it's 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 kind of a tricky thing. I hope people listen to the songs and know which one it is. And of course, our lovely listeners who are listening to us right now, they know what's they know. up. They're going to vote properly, and you can vote four ways. You sure can. So you can go to our Facebook page, The Legend of Retro. Uh, you can get a vote there. You can also go to our Twitter page, get a vote in that way. In our Discord, so go to the Gamezilla Media website. We got a link for our Discord at the bottom. We have a Legend of Retro channel. We post, we post the votes there every week. And then the last one is our Patreon. So patreon.com slash gamezillamedia. Uh, if you're a $1 member, you get an additional vote for the bracket, as well as early access to our retro relapse. So if you want to see Xander's uh, view on playing Bo Jackson's two-in-one. Which just devolved into me reading the screen with different Homestar Runner voices. Which was great, by the way. <laughs> uh, you can go there and get early access so that it comes out on Thursdays. You can get it on Sundays. So you get that. And then if you're a $5 patron, you get our bonus episode, our Game Shark episode. Yes, you do. So once a month, we put out an episode for our patrons. Uh, we talk about different topics. Uh, our do last a lot of... Uh, top fives yeah our last one was on the super nintendo coming to the switch online so if you want to see our impressions what we kind of thought you know got didn't get included that we thought should mm -hmm. check that episode out um become a patron member but what's the best part about being a patron member is that you get everything from the games all media yeah you're not just getting legend of retro you're getting last action podcast you're getting noiseland arcade you're getting all the different shows on the GameZilla and Media Network, you're getting all their bonus shows. Yep. So I think that uh, that about does it for us, Sander. Yeah. We, uh, we, we went, went what, two and a half hours, I think? Uh, I think it's at least six hours, okay. but uh, still didn't do the game justice. So uh, thanks for sticking with us for the entire time. Thanks for BM to BMC for coming out and uh, calling out and uh, helping us record the episode. And, uh, yeah, we'll catch you next time when, when the, the legend, legend continues. continues.
This one's going to be a whole lot of fun to edit.